Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We head south of the Mason-Dixon line this week with our first American Civil War film, John Huston's 1951 epic, The Red Badge of Courage. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Hello. Mike B. Hey. And the only Southerner here, Nate. Which is kind of terrifying because no one considers Maryland part of the South, but hi. Hope you like railroad ties. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, guys, what do you think? We can't, we can't be sweating <laughs> this close into oh, the episode. Sorry. We're within yeah, 45 on, seconds. I can't do that in front the of the king. Is the reputation of our <laughs> no podcast. swearing. Good Brother heavens. in Christ, how dare you swear? All right, so Brian, take us in. Oh, okay. Audie Murphy, 1951. Don't say his name three times. Bill Malden. He's <laughs> <laughs> not, not Biggie Small. That's one. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a very interesting movie. Uh, I have not seen it before. I've heard a lot about it. Uh, I've heard a lot about the book as well. Uh, I have not read the book as well, even though I read all the time. It's a I'll pretty quick read, I think. Yeah, yeah it's, I know it's not too long. Um, quick but, watch. Yeah. yeah, it was only like an hour and eight minutes or something. Yeah. It wasn't too long. Um, but Cut from a, a two-hour version. Oh, really? Movie was oh, interesting. Two hours long. I was yeah. very surprised for the film nerds out there. John Huston is the director, and you know he's a World War II vet. He filmed a lot of stuff during the Second World War, and he's also made a bunch of really amazing films like uh, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and uh, just really awesome stuff. So, and the Maltese Falcon as well. So it was really interesting to see him direct this and his version of a war movie because I don't think he did another war film, if I can remember. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I thought it was very interesting, and uh, I'm glad I finally was able to see it. And uh, you know, I'd like to see these old black and white films, especially if they're not Sergeant York. And uh, yeah, <laughs> this is ten years after that. Well, it's so. it's kind of the end. I don't want to say the antithesis of that, but it's. Uh... This is a this movie was very poorly received when it came out, and uh, it's kind of you can kind of tell why it's a bit ahead of its time in some ways. Uh, I think uh, for for some some stuff, people apparently when they did the test of this test audiences for this movie, the two hour version, like people didn't know what the hell was going on the entire time, and uh, it, that was like the main complaint. Like this this doesn't make any sense. What is the point of all this? It's just just ludicrous. So they cut it down to 69 minutes and they added in passages from the book and narration that wasn't originally in it. And um, they thought that fixed it, I guess. But um, apparently the two hour version is uh, completely lost uh, to the ages. It is, has been destroyed and there are no versions of it left. Really? There's got to be a copy somewhere mislabeled. <laughs> Somebody hopefully, watched, you know, like hopefully yet, yeah. yet to be unearthed. Things are still, you know, things still get unearthed, uh, you know, every day. So oh, yeah. hopefully someday I've seen way too much cool shit come out of woodwork. It's like there, none of these more exist. And then somebody in Poland found four in a house, mm-hmm. you know, like, so it's, I always have faith, but uh, yeah, it's, so it sounds a lot like, you know, um, the botched receiving of the eighties movie, uh, big red one. Mm because that was like another world war two or that was another war film that like, you know, really just didn't wasn't received well. And it had a very long cut in the beginning and they cut the soul out of it. And then, you know, but that wasn't lost. And, you know, luckily you actually have like a director's cut or something. There's like four, there's like, there's like two or three iterations of that movie, I think. And every time I watch, I mean, not to get off subject, but every time I watch that movie, I'm lost. It it doesn't (laughs) hold me. 
It doesn't hold me. Yeah, yeah. I, I want. I, I I can't wait to actually do it for this. My hemorrhoid direct enough. <laughs> I can't. I can't wait to do it for this movie because I feel like it's been a all. It will. Sorry for this podcast. I am exhausted. Is that going going through and and like thinking about that movie in particular? It's like maybe not enough time has passed where I'm not jaded by it because I think the last first time I ever saw that movie was like ten years ago. But yeah, no, I mean like. Um, I guess to jump in on my take on this movie, I mean, like I, I actually, I'm surprised you haven't read, you have never seen this before, Brian, or had read the book. I was, uh, when I was in high school, I had to read the book and then watch the movie and then do like a whole like paper on it and like compare the two and what was kind of different between the two mediums and how it kind of played out and which one did I prefer. And it's been almost uh, 15 20 years at this point since i've written it so i don't i didn't remember it before i watched it today but i mean like it, it was i i've really liked this movie it's really funny it's like it, it, again i think what mike a has kind of said it was like it's kind of ahead of its time but what i was very much impressed was even though there was like you know hands up in the air flailing <laughs> from pyrotechnics the 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 whole physical um or sorry the whole practical uh engagement and the effects and the wide angle and the wide shots and all that kind of stuff like that's something you don't really see that much you know you didn't see that much kind of wide i use i use aerial in quotation marks <laughs> aerial shots as best they could i mean it was one hill on, against into a valley so that was like how they could do like the aerial shot but it was very interesting to see how that kind of cinematography was kind of starting out at the even at this point yeah. in in this movie. John Huston apparently wanted to uh, create what he called an alienating battlefield, and so uh, that's why he mm. shot it that way. Hmm. Yeah, I love that one shot. I think it's the the best Civil War movie shot I've ever seen mm. of uh, basically a, a smoke encrusted line of dwindling men. You can barely see get anything. to a point, yeah. and then run away, and it's like that's a, that's a late napoleonic war battlefield mm-hmm. you know what the fuck you're shooting at there's these things that get close and they kind of get a little closer and then you shoot so much that they don't get it any closer yeah. like you know that's that's that was really cool and neat to see you get close enough and i think it's also sorry you, you get close mm-hmm. enough to capture the eagle so you know yeah. <laughs> well that's <laughs> yeah and somewhere in the hills there's a japanese there's a group of japanese high command officers that are meeting about where they're gonna strike next i know it they just they, they cut that out of the movie that was in the two hour long version but um no, uh, it was very interesting to see that, you know, and I, that was definitely my favorite shot of the movie. And um, but in a way, I could see how that would push people away. We're like, you know, the same year that this came out, Fixed Bayonets came out, you know. And oh, really? So it's interesting 50, to compare these two. 51, 51, 51. 51. I thought Fixed Bayonets was 53. Am I getting that wrong? Oh, I could be wrong. I could easily be wrong. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. I think the original release of the Red Badge though was 1949. I think that's when it was. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, okay. When it was initially released, and then it was re-released. It you was know released. that that was a trend in the 50s. Yeah. Um. There was um. Uh. One of my. Double features. One of my one of my interest. I mean, it's a little diff- bit different. But one of my favorite shows that I grew up uh, was uh, the Disney uh, series Zorro. And it was the black and white mm. version with uh, yeah. Garrett, with Guy Williams, and yep. it was it was I loved that that show, and they would do reruns all in the late nineties, yep. And it was super cool. And one thing I noticed was trying to go back and rewatch them because you know the internet's a thing, and you can find a certain amount of them. But uh, Disney Disney Plus has has the has like a movie, and I was like, oh, that's cool. 
like I've never knew that. And then I go go in to see it, and it's just the TV show mashed together with lots of stuff cut out. But then, <laughs> but then scenes inserted like five or six years later to to like kind of fix the plot holes that they filmed later just for the movie, just to have it as like a sequential hour and 20 minute long movie. Even though it's just a bunch it's, of episodes stapled together. Yeah, it was just a bunch <laughs> of episodes like smashed together with like little inserts of, of Guy Williams at the beginning and then him like five years later and, the, and all the actors and they have aged and it's just like, that, no, that's and, then, not... and then it cuts and it goes back to another thing. So it was just very interesting. It's a very 50s kind of thing because I think that one came out in like 56 and I think the original one came out in like 51 or 53. It's fine. Or... Fuck it. No one's going to know. Right. <laughs> no, no. no. But, but it's just, no, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not like bitching about it. It's just a, a common trend I see. Right. And so like going into what I mean by this, it's like, you know, the audience doesn't like it. So what do we do? We go and cut it and we like shorten it up and we add narration and we do all this other stuff. And it just seemed to be a common thing within that time. You know, if it's like, if it didn't succeed, okay, try it again, but right. add the things, I guess that would possibly make it. They got the blade runner time. treatment. The, yeah. Yeah. The wicker man too, you know, all these films like, you know, all didn't test well with these 12 old people. Well, let's make it, you know, work for them. And then they just, Did, I to kind of chime in on, Mike Gay saying, "Won't let Mike B give his startup." Is that? Oh no, no worries. Okay, do your thing. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I mean, like yeah. the the thing I was thinking about was, um, uh, you had said like it didn't test well. Did they say the reasons why it didn't test well other than the uh, the first one you kind of gave? I know, I, I know, I'm putting you on the spot. I just was... no, it's cool. I got the wiki page pulled up here. Um, yeah. I got. I remember I read a lot about it in the book Picture. I don't have that with me right now, but um, mm. let's see what wiki says. It says, uh, blah blah blah. blah um, Okay, um, let's see here. When the studio cut the film's uh, uh, length and added narration taken from the original, uh, supposedly for, from poor test audience test screenings. Okay, so they don't really give the reasons why for the poor audience test screenings. No. I, as I guess the only Southerner in here, I can tell... Too it, much CBT. I can tell you, I can tell you right <laughs> now that it being against the Confederacy kind of glorification film, that is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, especially in the fifties. I mean, my, I mean, even my parents' generation of relatives still claim that, you know, Sherman and Grant are pieces of shit and the union is a, or the union the was more of a criminal. Rise again. Yeah. Tell and, you uh, well, make sure you don't again. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I do remember. I, I, don't I was going to say earlier, I, I don't they, have a dog in the fight, but I, I will tell I, you my family's history is south of the border so <laughs> i was i was gonna say earlier nate you know it doesn't surprise me that as a southerner you had to you know read this book and have a thesis on it while we knew <laughs> it. so like you know you just have to ingrain that little bit in well, there you I'll, know I'll, just a little bit more i'll right. defend sir brother nathan a little bit i'll, I'll defend him and well, he's from Yankee. wisconsin so he's kind of a southerner but he's in the north but you know oh thanks wait, no, no 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 i know thanks, I, no, no, no. second no i know where he's going with this hey iron brigade I, it's cool i know no. I, the iron brigade western, he's, gonna remind, me, he's gonna remind me that the iron brigade kicked our ass so that's fine i mean that's they fucking fine. did and they were awesome troops but those, those, <laughs> Mike, western northern so i'm a fucking yankee i just live a little bit far north yeah you are what in the <laughs> Good God, Lord! Whatever you're, you're smoking, here on the right fuck. side of the Hudson, you know. What we, the we fuck are you smoking? I'm a Yankee, side. just a little bit far stuff. north. What the far fuck? west? <laughs> oh my God! Well, okay, far west. That we can we can debate. And yes, yeah, west. I, I will agree. Technically, so technically Yankee. However, technically, 
However, I was going to say if the South's going to rise up again, you don't want to you don't want to have a bunch of guys from Scotty and Michigan and Illinois kicking your ass again wearing hard hats. <laughs> you just don't want to do it. I'm hardy fine. hat. We'll, we'll wear the look, modern look, uniform look, or the hardy hat. Look, look, Marylanders were neutral. All right, I don't care what the history books oh, say. Just like neutral. Eastern Tennessee was neutral. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. still had slaves. Okay. <laughs> no. Anyway, it's crazy though. Traveling in the eastern United States, north or south, the amount of Civil War memorials, you know, to guys that were lost at all these crazy battles far away, you know, it's insane. And the f- and the culture is still shapes the landscape to this day. Oh, of, yeah. Of, sure. I noticed that when I was in Missouri. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you don't. Oh, yeah. You don't. You in I mean, territory. well, and speaking of Missouri, yeah. like, so there's a lot of like a lot of the huge battles like Gettysburg, Chancellorsville uh fucking um uh, um uh, drive down uh, route Antietam, uh, shit, Coast, Vicksburg. You'll drive through the shenandoah but here's the thing is there was a lot there was a lot of fucking battles west of the mississippi that were fought in the civil war they're never mm-hmm. talked about though because they weren't as huge but they were also pivotal because it was like the north was trying to go down west of the mississippi to get down south and the south was doing the same shit they were like yeah let's try to get up around here we can cut up and they just the logistics at that point just you, you can't do it and it's like the north africa campaign in, in comparison you know like people they, these crazy battles were fought but because of where they were you know they're just not studied as, as much as like you said gettysburg and, and the main ones yeah yeah know? very true but like uh, anyway the, like the good the bad and the ugly i think they covered a bit of the western south like civil war stuff it, kind of obviously a fantasy film but but like it's interesting yeah so so this i should i should just preface this with like um the book was actually trying um, – Stephen Crane wrote this about the Battle of uh, Chancellorsville, right, in Virginia. And that's what it's loosely – the book is based off of, right? Again, it's a fiction. This did not happen the way it was written, okay? Um, so Chancellorsville was a massive clusterfuck for everybody involved. It was insane. It lasted a long time. It was just a bloodbath. It was fucking ridiculous. Now, the film also took because in uh, in the in the book, Stephen Crane wrote this about a New York regiment, if I'm not mistaken, right? And in the film, it was a uh, an Ohio regiment. I mean, still Union, whatever, but like details like that are fairly important because New York, you got a lot of guys coming in that are immigrants at this point, okay. The, the the guys who were in New York is the uh, the riots in sixty three or sixty four. Well, this is sixty two. So this is this, oh, this is coming really? to play. Oh, I thought it was out like, of Gatesburg. No, but like so, were they part this of the dead before. rabbits or you know what? <laughs> I said, Five points. They were they part of the dead rabbits? Uh yeah. <laughs> Listen, I don't give a tuppenny fuck about your moral conundrum, you meathead shit sack. <laughs> Are you a Finnegan Benz? I'm not. Hmm. Keep sorry. stuff in your goddamn cock holster. I didn't mean to interrupt with that you. delicious I'm looking sh- sandwich. I'm shoving so. dinner in my mouth. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I know. I can see that. Shit for eating chips, and he's got a whole hey, fucking sandwich. Hey, hey. well, hey, at least he's not crunching in the microphone. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing. I'm not going. Oh yeah, no. You know, Red Badge of Courage is a great movie. <laughs> you know what? Now that's no, yeah. Now I'm gonna do it. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Here we go. This whole. This well, let me whole get us thing. back on track. With I'll interject this. So that's that's interesting about the battle, Mike. Um, my favorite line from the movie was where one of the Union guys goes, uh, "I wonder what battle this will be called." 
And that, that was yeah. a very interesting thing, you know, because when you're fighting on the territory or whatever, you're just like, that's the last thing you're well, thinking Well, Bull of, Run, like, that's a retrospect. fucking, that's a hill. Like, that's the name of yeah. a, one one hill in this yep. entire battle. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. that was the name. So they started doing that, and they were like, yeah, I wonder what this is going to be called. And yep. it ended up becoming Chancellorsville in the book. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the film, how accurate that was, but like, Chancellorsville was a fucked up thing, and it was an early campaign that was huge. Because Gettysburg and Antietam, they come later, okay? But Chancellorsville was insanely terrible. And nobody seems to give a fuck or know about that. And I want to preface this entire podcast of me going on with my Civil War shit. I am the opposite of a fucking expert in the the American Civil War. I don't know shit. I know very macro-level shit. Very macro-level shit. And I even know less than you. Well, and, and I don't know the uniforms, which we, we're going to talk about in the weaponry. Blue and gray. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking funny, Brian. But anyway, um, no, so I don't know that. But, but I, I'm going to comment on, I do know that Chancellorsville was really fucked up. And they portrayed this as being like, nobody really knew what the hell was going on. It's wide open territories. There's hills that you have to take. There's fucking creeks there's rivers there's shit you have to cross and that that from my knowledge my macro level knowledge of chancellorsville was true it was just insane and nobody knew what the fuck was going on not even the generals on either side and they're like we got to hold this okay we got to push blah blah but that was basically the entire american civil war was nobody knew exactly what the fuck was going on or could predict how a battle would go because it was just so turning over all the time all these troops and everything. And what I was saying is like a New York regiment would be a little bit different because in 62, after the original, like New York state guard were activated and all that shit. And they became whatever fucking regiments and everything. They were all marched off. A lot of the New York uh, regiments were immigrants, right? And they would come down and they would send those guys in with like very minimal combat experience. They're from all walks of life from Europe, you know, the poor people and whatever. And they'd just be like, Hey, you want to serve your country? You're going to go down and fight this. Now, Ohio, a little bit more settled, a little bit more people who had been there a while. So that's going to be a different different story. Does it make a difference in the story as far as like the, the book versus the film? I don't know, perhaps. But I don't think the film portrayed it terribly. Again, not an expert at all. Like I, I, my, my, my quote-unquote expertise goes back to about 1900 right? Let's be honest. And before that, I'm not too in like in tune with like the Spanish or a Spanish American war, all that shit. Like, okay. And then go to the Indian wars and then fucking the American civil war. But from what I've heard and like, uh, my, my, a lot of my good friends are civil war reenactors and historians. Um, weird motherfuckers. (laughs) <laughs> weird yeah. yeah yeah fat monk if you're listening to this which you fucking aren't i guarantee you but uh fat monk that's his uh youtube handle but um yeah they what they've told me is like yeah the civil the american civil war was like really just unorganized in every respect like it was just people that we're just making do with what they thought was right and like whatever. And you had a couple of good generals on the, the Confederate side. You had a couple of good generals on the union side, 
but most of these leaders were just fucking out there and a lot of them got killed i think i think it also kind of comes down if you think about it and it's just I, I i again i'm gonna put on the blanket statement i am definitely not an expert in civil war history to the t i'm very 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 minute knowledge i just know enough when i see it i know it but i don't know like the the, the in and outs like we have a buddy um in common brian less he would he would walk do circles around all of us i mean it's amazing um which by the way he's interested so we'll go into that um but for Gaysburg, yeah or whatever or whatever uh next civil war one we should do i think we should have him on i think he'd kick ass um so in, in putting out that statement i mean i think i think the civil war came down to the same thing i think we we talked about about world war one where these officers were pulled in be- because they had to be and i think it's the same thing in that sense with the um in the civil war i think you had Excuse me. I think you had guys who would, you know, who would be, uh, you know, exceptional in their job. And then you'd have ones that just sucked ass, sucked eggs. Or and th- that actually shows in the film too. Like right. It yes. Shows like you get the lieutenant, which I don't know why he's not wearing a bar on his rank, but maybe I could be wrong. But like, I don't know. I don't know if it's the same thing for Civil War at this point. Well, I, I, I'm almost positive that all that I've seen, like a lieutenant, is going to be wearing bars on that fucking shoulder the shoulder if he was a second boat. lieutenant maybe not but like right. who knows but um so anyway, the lieutenant was like he's just doing his best he's all fired up full of piss and vinegar to try and look good and then you've got like the captains and then the the majors and the colonels that are like on horseback and they're kind of doing their thing and i i do like the scene too where um the general is riding by that's one of the best parts he's, of the movie yeah, he's like, "What are you guys eating tonight?" Oh, fucking hardtack and and um, I forgot. It was a common dish at the time, or not dish, but like staple that they would eat. And he's like, "Oh, hardtack and spotted dick." No, it was um, what the fuck was it? It was. Are you talking about the bacon? Just, are you talking about like the hard? Yeah, it's just like fucking thing? salt pork, like shitty salt pork. But it was a there was a name for it. Yeah, and um, oh, you know. So I have a nice company, and then he goes out in the next like company, not even like fucking fifty feet down, and says, <laughs> says the, same, the same thing. Yeah, it's like yeah, okay. But then All at right. the at the very end of that scene, the he like he addresses the last unit, and they're like, "Are you gonna eat knows. with us?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that he knows. Yeah, are you gonna eat with us, General? Yep. And he's like, "Fuck you," you know, or something. Yeah, piss off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good relationship between the uh, officers, just like World War One. <laughs> oh God, I choked on my food. Oh no. Oh well, try try not to choke. I mean, I, Sergeant York's had Sergeant York had great ops. Or sorry, Corporal York mm-hmm. had great PFC. Oh, wait, no, he wasn't even a corporal. Whoa, oh my god, well, Brian, <laughs> you're fucking up twice. James is gonna come. You know. Oh, you, you swore you can't say that, Mister. You know. You, you have fucked don't up. Fucking swear. You That's fucked up thrice. <laughs> yeah, in well, like you know. ten seconds. You're, nice. You're challenging a Medal of Honor uh, recipient. Okay. Don't. Oh, you you sorry, can't question sorry. Christianity or God. His kids are gonna come straight uh, on me now. Whoops. Speaking of Medal of Honor, there's some very interesting people in this movie. Um, I, I guess I haven't. Uh, but before we get into that, like, uh, uh, Nate, you said you like this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like this quite a bit. Mike, what did you, what are your thoughts on it? I didn't mind it. Yeah. I think, I think it's like, I mean, I, maybe the audience was right in the fact that it doesn't drag on and on and on. My, <laughs> it probably makes it the most, the most digestible, I think of that, but, but, th- but there's other parts of it that I think are really, really nailed down well. I mean, like, again, like the battling, the battle stuff just, it seems like it's almost like it's filmed 
in a style 10 years ahead of itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, does that make sense? Am I kind of like, because like, like you have very kind of, even with the filming, I mean, um, this was kind of when they were really kind of, were getting out of like, kind of like the stage films, yeah. like they're kind of starting to break out of that. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing I noticed with this film and, and, and I know this isn't, um, the only example of the time i know there were a bunch of other films that do that um a, a movie that i constantly take reference from for black and white is a movie called attack and they did do something like this but not quite to the extreme of of kind of almost like almost kind of felt like very i, I don't know if it's kubrick just very close in your face mm-hmm. they had a lot of those shots in this time and and to me it's like most of those war films at that time don't really have that you know they they tend to kind of yeah. be very stage set like 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 fixed bayonets i think broke some of the status quo but it's still filmed on a stage you know and so like this didn't feel like it was that for the most part the whole movie know- is on location yeah okay so i am correct okay you I are correct, sure. yeah. okay so like like that's something that you, you don't normally see i mean there are some i mean in terms of i mean how do i say it Yes, there are breakout films of the time period and even before that did that. But the the common theme of shooting on location and stage seems to be kind of taking precedent to the rest of the film industry at that time. And so it seems to be very interesting to see kind of like that breakaway. And with that, I think you have people getting a lot more artistic in their shots, especially on location. Because even on location, they kind of make them kind of like medium to wides and they kind of stick to that. And this tended to not be that. And I noticed that this time around, it, it 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 is a wide, but it but it but it doesn't. It's not shy of being close up. Yeah, yeah and there's a lot of close ups that like kind of convey what the character is, and, and the characters did a great job. Like the actors did a great job at like c- conveying. It wasn't like overdone. It wasn't like a silent film where they're over dramatic. You know, no. right? Yeah, it was like when they would zoom in on their facial expressions. Uh, for like if they were before a battle during or after you know feeling guilt you know etc from that whole thing it was like zoomed in and it was portrayed and it came across very well yeah it's awkward it's very uncomfortable it's very close up and it was still like not even for 51 like again you're like you were saying it very far back very new to this it seemed like yeah now i know what you're saying but it's ahead of its time because these shots or shots that are still done in 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 cinema today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you pr- and you primarily see them about ten years later in war films. Yeah, like um, like I I haven't seen it yet, and I I feel guilty of saying it, but I have never seen Waterloo like all the way through. I've only seen clips. Me either. And yeah. such a good and, movie. and that is something I think that um you know i think we should definitely do that and i think it's very impressive it's a very impressive yes. movie from the clips that i've seen that brian has also yeah. kind of shoved down my throat over the years it's made the cavalry scene is just there's nothing like exactly that. but like but, but that kind of bob square but, but, but my but my point of that brian is like you know we have a technological gap in terms of this being filmed at that time because back then then they're having helicopters flying over all these guys and it's huge extras but there's no such there's no really ability to put cameras and helicopters at least for hollywood at that time to my knowledge at least without well without a ton of money into it oh yeah way expensive yeah so so like so like you know the thinking of you know a plane obviously you can't you can't get those steady shots in that slow pace what's the thing putting on the very top of one hill to film inside of a gully 
and and kind of get that aerial shot. And I think that's something that we see very prevalent about 10 to 15 years afterwards. In every war movie, you see aerials because the technology is allowing you to be able to get those shots with helicopters until what, uh, about 15, probably almost 10 to 15 years at this point, we've just now had the technology of drones. So you see a lot of independent movies have the ability to have aerials now yeah. versus that only seemed to be a thing for big budget Hollywood. And so or it was airplanes or how, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, recent, so, yeah. so, so my point is, is like, you know, you start seeing the trends and shots with the technology. So when someone kind of does it before it's time where the technology makes it easy, it, it seems it's very impressive in my eye to yeah, kind of set, set that stage in that shot. But I, yeah. uh, I think some of my favorite directing talking about all the shots and the close-ups is what we're like, what Brian talked about with the, the long shot of the, where it's just the smoky atmosphere with the vague silhouettes contrasted with, it's like a collage of really big close-ups of air, each soldier as they fire their rifles I very that very really very cool. crisp and in focus yeah. and um uh 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 good contrast right yeah that of the time i mean that i know that it all depends on so many variables but the point is is like it's really well lit it's it's very well done because yeah. sometimes when you have those close-ups sometimes they're not sometimes they're out of focus well, it's natural light they, they yeah they capitalize on their natural light that's what i would say yeah is, i would agree with that yeah. they got they they figured out before they shot when they were going to do these scenes when the the light was going to be the best naturally and they just they they, they, they go killed with it. it yeah 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 they, they rocked it and, and so and the editing yeah. is very very fast paced if you think about it too it's not yeah if you think about just of the time as well it, it seems to be very cut 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 well cut, and it's cut, cool cut, because cut. they didn't you know they didn't have cgi so when you're looking at those shots like you were just talking about where it's all smoky and shit and you see the the Confederates, you know, retreating or coming forward. Mm -hmm. th those are real people. Oh yeah, those are extras, and like you can tell because they're moving exactly like real people are. They're not. It's not a shit. It's more believable to see a black and white film with real human beings moving forward or back than it is to see CGI today in any fucking capacity. Yeah, CGI shit fest. Yeah, um, and. Uh... I, I, and a lot of those wide shots were great where you'd see like the artillery just like 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 the explosions going off like that looked great mm -hmm. you know and you have you have some form of troop movement within that thing and within those shots as well and so it's yeah it's it's um i will say that you know in in terms of i guess mm. the cgi comments like practical is always better than cg and, oh, and, and it should always be pre you should always try to get it in practical if you can even today and uh cg is yep. just a insurance is what i always say unless you're trying to make like a dragon and yeah you need cg but you know it's like yeah the point is no it's easy to make a practical dragon yeah, yeah. i'm gonna go paint my yeah, dog i'm gonna go dress my dog up into a <laughs> thing it's always stop motion i'm yeah. gonna glue 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 reptile scales to her and yeah we'll see how oh, that works yeah, well, yeah, the it's technology. It's, it's the <laughs> wide shots were really good. Like they were, because here's the thing: is like they keep you, they keep you going. Like, oh, okay, so this is what's going on macro, and then you zoom in onto the small group of guys, and you're like, oh fuck, that's what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. Like the way they did, the way they sh they edited that, and like they shot it was like, oh, there's a shitload of guys moving forward, and then there's like there's these few guys here mm -hmm. in this little like it's a creek bed it's a dried up creek bed and you go you kind of get that fear like you go fuck if they're if, if that's what i was looking at would i get up and run mm -hmm. you know it's like it's like holy fuck man like and the cavalry comes in and just you know tears them apart and then 
Yeah. It's I like, Jesus. I also love how uh, when they're shooting, you never see like, you never see like an individual who they shoot. They're right. just shooting into a mass of smoke, you know, or into a mass of vaguely vague apparitions out there. It's like, they're so far away, you know, and, and I know, I know that like the range on those rifles back then was not very good, but still like it, it still wasn't actually. You know, so no, the, at that time, the civil war rifles were pretty fucking accurate, like out to five, 600 yards. Okay. It's just the tactics were antiquated. Mm. So they were using tactics for rifles that were smooth bore muskets and stuff, but they were using fucking rifled muskets. Mm. So that's the real deadly. I, I don't know much about the civil war, but I had a really good friend of mine. Give me a tour of Gettysburg. It was fucking cool. And that was what I really took away from it is that the deadliness came from the weaponry they were using yes. and the antiquated tactics they were applying to it. So it's just like, you know, the equivalent of dudes lining up with AR-15s and full it's auto. The, and just it's shooting the, it's, it's the, the, the equivalent like, of World you know, War One. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Both I, mean, I, mean I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that like it's the same tactics, but I'm saying like technology, technology outpaces the tactics of the time. And so that's, yeah. and that's the same thing with World War One. Cause so. like, you know, uh, the Patriot for what it is. They do have some good depictions of like, you know, groups of men shooting and smooth bores and everything. And like, yeah, you're Our Lord and Savior Mel Gibson. Yes. I think I, I'm not very good with cap and ball or like, you know, this kind of stuff earlier firearms, but I believe like it was like a 60% hit rate with like a smooth bore, like let's say above hundred yards or something. Right. I could be totally wrong. Uh, but then knowing that it got more advanced, you're talking about like a 90% hit rate for somebody that, really does not know how to shoot from a city in the 1860s. Like people are going to fucking die. And the mini ball, the way that it hits bone and shatters it yep. and fucks you up. Like it's just really fucking insane. So yeah. Well, and they were, they were also using the best rifles ever. Right. You know, but they were also using um, muskets still smooth bores in the civil war. So it was, I did like that because um, at one point, um, Henry saw Eddie Murphy's character is using a pattern, 1853 uh, Enfield, right? Which was the one of the main rifle muskets? You see a lot of trapdoors uh, stands well, as well. I saw we'll, that. We'll, yeah. we'll we'll get to that. We'll get was to that. It, yeah. Was it a P14 Enfield or? No, I think it was a standard model Mauser. <laughs> well, yeah, not going to take the fucking bait, Nathan. Um, but um, well, it no, definitely like, wasn't an AZ. But no, it's like it's cool because like in the early scenes, like um, he's got an, a pattern 853. You can see on the lock, it's marked with the crown and everything. And that was a mainstay of the uh, Confederate army because they were getting a shitload of arms from England at that point. And it would not be uncommon for the Union to capture those weapons and be like, all right, well, it's a 58 caliber. So is ours. Let's fucking use it. And there was some 54 caliber. So you had to get around that a little bit. But like that was a cool little detail. I don't know if they intended to do that or whatever. But also a lot of the like um, later, like especially like, post Gettysburg when you see a lot of these units that are just like reserve units and just like these units that they just slap together on both sides, they're going to be using smoothbore muskets in combat. It's basically like using, uh, I, I don't even know what the fucking equivalent would be. Cause it's, we've got rifles, we have rifles, but anyway, it's like, I don't know. But anyway, so there, there was a lot of uh, like, uh, units that would use smoothbore muskets in the civil war. And it was like, Wow, that's insane. Because like the technology was, it was new, er, but it wasn't so new that like the old technology wasn't there. And so yeah, it's interesting to see that like um, you know, see that. But like yeah, mostly what you were saying, Brian, is like rifled muskets. They were devastating. 
And a lot of them, like they did mention this in the film is like something, I don't remember the exact line, but like uh, he says, uh, I can shoot great, but like, you know, something about like, if I, if I, are you shaking or something? What the fuck am I thinking of in that, in that there was like a little, a little uh, um, um, exchange between, I think um, Henry and another guy talking about like shaking. Like if you're going to be shooting, like if you're shaking now, um, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm not sure. But th- th- there blanking. was that. Like, I'm blanking out. But I, I remember the conversation, but I don't remember. Yeah, it, me too. I wish I could remember that verbatim. But was, like, it the Je- was it Jeb? It, I don't know who it was. Um, but he was talking about like um, something about shaking. Like, and that's a lot of these these guys. Like if you're, if you're lined up doing Napoleonic War style warfare, and like we also use in the Mexican-American War, and you're just lined up with these guys. But you've got rifled muskets, which are more than likely going to hit your target if you're accurate. It's like, well, you're going to be terrified and you're going to be shaking. Your adrenaline's going to take over and it's going to be like, I don't care how good of a fucking marksman you are. <laughs> you don't have something in you. You don't, you don't have like fucking opium or fucking booze in you. You're going to be shaking like a fucking, yeah. We need meth German chocolate. Well, no, meth's going to make you sh- <laughs> shake worse. But Those Nazis that were always yeah, high all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goddamn Nazis. They were to win. But uh, no, it's like it's like, like that, my that also fascism high on meth. <laughs> but it does it does it does say something. To what Brian said is like, yeah, you've got these weapons, these rifles that are like the best that's ever been fielded in combat. But the, you're standing 200 yards away from each other at a quarter of the range that they're rated for, and you're blasting away. And and guys, <laughs> you know, are like hit. Oh yeah, I fucking, mean Jebediah doesn't have a jaw anymore. But you're still shooting, <laughs> and, and you, you have know, to you like have fucking... to fucking load that next round and not be fucking terrified. Yeah, and you you have, don't fuck up. You you have to load that next round and like shoot straight. Je- Je- and then Jebediah's yeah. femur just shattered in four different places. Well, well there's right. on the ground. There's a part. There's a part in the movie where the guy even says, and it's taken from the book where the guy says, "My knee's been blown off. Please help me." Yeah. You know, he's like yeah. leaning against yeah. a tree. He shot my kneecap off. Yeah. Yep. The guy hanging out of a tree. That's fucking crazy. Like, I mean, I mean, obviously they couldn't yeah, show right. like gore back then and stuff like that. But you know, that kind of description that's pretty visceral. You know. Well, no, that, yeah, that right. one that one scene towards the end where the guy I forget who it was was talking but he's got like a skeleton foot on basically like it's it's just like a, a little bit of flesh and like it's like all the bones of a foot i don't remember that um no he it literally i fuck i should have written this down um you gotta keep notes i i here's i take a note he keeps notes, notes when the movie's bad he doesn't keep what, notes when the i know was it well uh, i got one note which we're gonna take talk a sheet about of paper with the weapons and yeah. just write down shit. well no i watched the hard. film i digest it but like no, it, towards the end, it wasn't like completely fucking gory and bloody dripping, but it was like a, a, a skeleton foot. I, was, I can't was, see my, f- I can't feel my feet. And it's just like, puts this Well, it was up still there. There I'll was never just be no a tap dancer it, right. on the road again. I mean, that's yeah. pretty fucking morbid. So, yeah. I can't feel my hands. <laughs> yeah, it, it was fucking insane. His but, father, um, Liam Neeson's going to put him in a fucking chair now and bring him across the West. Oh, wait. I'm going to go back and look for that now. Maybe he gets the reference. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, that, that happened, but like, yeah, it's, um, and you can teach they, me how to juggle. They definitely, <laughs> they definitely did downplay the fucking gore. That would have been realistic, which yeah. I get why. And I understand that 1953. Like, so yeah. yeah. Yep. There's a, uh, have you guys, one, have you guys one, ever held sorry. a mini ball? Like a 58 caliber mini ball, like a 550 yeah. grade. <laughs> if that fucking thing hits Fuck you, you at a hundred feet per second, 
you're going to be hurting. Oh, yeah. It's coming at you at fucking 1,500 feet per second. It wouldn't mm. feel good. That's for damn sure. Oh, my Jebediah. God. No. Um, I saw a guy once do a test where he fired those uh, into uh, chunks of clay. And, uh, like, he shot him with, like, a regular, you know, uh, uh, 223 at first, you know. And then he shot him with those. And it was just, like, it, w- it was the – you could see it was, like, day and night how both of them were. Like, one just was oh. clean through it, the other. It's, one even, like, it's, it's even more nuts. It's even more nuts to take a look at, like, the generation before that, which is the Sharps rifle. Which which the only reason why I know it is because I'm a big fan of Sharps rifle. So I can do the deep dive into YouTube. Made and, in Connecticut. And, uh, yeah. And – um uh, with everything else, they, they did. They, they, they did. They did a whole like. Uh, they did a whole. Um... What guns are they making in Wisconsin? <laughs> the Henry <laughs> rifle. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> really? did, no, actually, is, I'm ignorant. Did they? They still make them in Rice Lake. It's 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 a couple hours. Oh, is that just the? But that's just the new one. But the original Henrys are actually made in uh, Wisconsin. I'm almost positive. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Winchester um, New Haven. So so, so I'll, anyway, so, I'll, sorry, it's okay. So so <laughs> they did. They did like a whole like behind the scenes thing. And the Sharps rifle, which is the whole generation before you, <coughs> Flint. Well, thanks, Mike. Jesus, I moved away. From <laughs> no, you're the fine. Mic. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. The the um the they they fired it, and that whole the technology even before then, they did like a they did like a ballistic gel with like a femur replacement, and even then, like that would d- destroy like destroy the whole entire leg. And that was a whole generation before. So I can't even imagine more accurate, more powerful, more FPS. Like that's that's insane. Uh, so yes, the Henry rifle was made in this place called New Haven, Connecticut. And, uh, <laughs> that why Mike's you know, face was like that. I, I guess that the original one. I, sorry, I guess that the new manufactured company they they are out in Wisconsin because they've been around for like thirty years now. The new Henrys you can buy, um, like three hundred eight and stuff. So they're not in three hundred eight. Some of the some of the newer ones they make in like high. Are you caliber. insane? Yeah. Are you talking about Pretty like the crazy. big ones? Are you talking about like the new like yeah. modern ones? The big ones? boys they still make them in forty five seventy and forty four magnum. Yeah, but the, but some of the like I've seen some of the bigger. That's modern shit. Anyway, they're not gonna make a three hundred eight fucking lever action rifle. I'm looking it up. Yeah, they, I'm they looking, have for a long I'm looking time. It up. Anyway, I'm looking it up. Looking it up. Three hundred eight. You have to use a Henry fucking. Rifle. You have to use a blunt fucking nose. No. The mag- like, I don't, really I don't, I don't deny it because I mean, Colt is in Hartford, Connecticut. Who gives a fuck? Uh, Connecticut, yeah, you guys make a lot of firearms, but you can't own any of them. Just throwing that out wow. there. Yes, it d- they do make one in 308. That's insane. What? Yep. You gotta use Yeti's fucking blunt round nose, then, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna stop talking so I, I don't have to say anything else. I'm right, so. <laughs> That's fucking stupid, though, man. Unless you. <laughs> I'm not saying it's it's right or wrong, but yeah, they do make them. It's interesting. Oh, it's so, weird. It's crazy that they could. Well, the lever action is such a powerful action. Oh no, I, I love the action. It's amazing. Same. But like, same. Do the old Western way where your pistol caliber and your rifle caliber are the same. So you well, can only dude, buy one type they, of ammunition. They make a Henry uh, Henry rifle in uh, three fifty seven Magnum or thirty eight Special. Yeah, thirty mm-hmm. eights have a lot of problems feeding, but like, dude, it'd be fucking awesome. I, I want to get one of those fucking things, but they're a they sell it every fucking where every and, single like generation of human being wants a henry unfortunately and so they're dude and they're, they're the ones nowadays, generation of human beings. the ones like, nowadays are made like literally an hour and a half away from me like i've i've been yeah, like, I, I, i've it. been trying to get one for years for well, try the original been, ones are made about an hour i've, been, trying, well. I've been trying to get some i've been trying to get one for under 800 Shaw and i can right never away. get one under 800 that isn't a 22 long rifle so it's pew, like pew. it's like nine. Yeah, that's it. the thing is like the the three two seven is like about eight hundred. 
Whenever you bring a lever gun to the range, everybody smiles. Oh, they're they're fucking like, awesome, you know, man. People yeah. love them. Yeah. Lever action shotguns, fucking lever action is a it's pretty efficient, man. Yeah. Well, I, I like it. I like it, and even though this is not relevant to the movie at all, is I like it because I don't have <laughs> nope. even as a left hander, I don't have to take my hand off the. I don't take my eye off the side. Right. Like, I, I forgot you were softball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it I doesn't ju- matter if you're righty or lefty. Yeah. Like you just fucking damn. And, and, I don't know what category to put you in. You're a southerner, but you're left-handed. <laughs> and, you know, so many not categories. Good, not good. You strike it no. out everywhere. I know. Then you're from Maryland. That's another. File. I know. Yeah, That's not a, good. Our our gas goes outside the vehicle. Dude, listen, I changed when I had that. I'll tell the the listeners that story one day. But I changed at that gas station. I went in as a I went in as a boy, and I came out of. <laughs> Thank you, Maryland. Anyway, welcome um, to the Rofo. There we go. <laughs> one thing I really liked about this movie is the tension of nothing. Like you know, when you train, you train, you train, you train, you train, yep. you train, and then you keep training, and then you know it's kind of like what they did in Jarhead, which I loved. You know, just like this constant. This is like, my rifle. Oh there my god! Like it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But you know, that's what I really liked about that: just the tension of nothing. Like I'm so mad that there's nothing going on. Like it just. And then you get into it. Words and don't belong together. And but, then yeah. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they they get into it and they're like, oh fuck! Like well, the the, the guy he says fucking uh uh what was it um he's like i'm doing my fight and standing up what are y'all laying down for and then like finally yeah. he's like i thought yeah, you said he's down yeah i thought you said you were gonna stand up he's like you shut your fucking mouth or something like that. <laughs> yep. i love how they dig him with the bayonets too because that's a that was really cool. legit thing oh yeah, that's legit, yeah yeah um and that was something just to say because like the whole cast of this movie is world war ii veterans bill malden yep and uh audie murphy were both in the eto uh bill malden was very famous for his sketches from yeah that he used to make in Italy and stuff. Beautiful, amazing. William, William Joe, Joe. He invented Ooh, William oh Joe. Who, who is Bill Mould? Amazing. He's the guy. He, the he's guy Audie Murphy's friend William in Joe. it. Yeah. He's the. He's like the eccentric. Uh, he's got a very strange title at the end. He was like the loud soldier. Or something. He's uh. He, he's um, like. I, he's like. Take my pocket watch. I'm a gone goose. That's him. Oh, he's that the, guy. Yeah, okay. that's Bill Mould. Yeah. yeah. He's very famous really? World War II artist. Yeah, he's no, the guy I, who, I, very I, I know who Bill oh, Mould yeah. is. I didn't realize that was him though. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen him in a, in a couple other things then. Yeah, he was a yeah. He did some some other stuff. Yeah, huh? I have his book literally right. Yeah, here. I know who exactly so, who you're talking about with the, with, so with the cartoonist. I I just didn't know that, yep. that was him though. Yep. Hmm. Oh, it's that's well cool. now you do. Like, no, I do. Yeah. I learn something new every day. That's what this podcast is but, for: uh, learning. Yeah. So something that was you see in you know <laughs> with World War II vets that were like constantly in combat. Uh, and you see in a few movies, Battlegrounds, where you really see it. But the second you fucking stop, you start digging in. It doesn't matter if, if you have to move in five minutes or ten minutes or an hour. Because you have no fucking idea. No one, but the second you stop, you start digging in. That's what you did. Yeah, no one ordered and, that guy to do it in the movie. He just started doing it. <laughs> yeah. But, like, how there was such a cast of World War II veterans for this film. Because it's 51, you know, late 40s. And how they're all young. And also how their extras probably would be of military age and everything. Like, I really think that that was a... It, it probably was a World War II practice. Not for like inexperienced guys going to combat for the first time, but if you're a World War II vet and you served in ETO or wherever, you stop, you dig. Yeah, that's what you fucking do. And I thought it was a very cool to see. And I, I, I think I know where that came from, especially because Audie Murphy fucking knew that. Bill Mullen fucking knew that. Yeah. Like you know. Well, so it was just very cool to see that. If I may, so it might be transposed from one war to the other, but right. very well, cool to see. If that. I may, I know that because a lot of the info I've read on this book was from on this movie was from the book picture, and um, apparently, like, so. Um, uh, what's it? John Huston, who directed this, um, 
So Audie Murphy was in a number of movies and things like that. Uh, this was his first like starring movie though. This was like the first movie where he was like actually the main character. He was did like background stuff before this, but this was the first like you're starring in a movie. Um, and I have to say, like I've never thought Audie Murphy is was. I think he was okay for what he did, but I never thought he was like an amazing actor. I don't even like especially like in the movie To Hell and Back, which was directed by a guy who made western films, made westerns. And, um, but you could, I think for when I look at his performance in other movies and then watch this movie, like you can tell he's like hurting when he's, when he's doing this movie, like you can tell that, and I know that it, it, they mentioned in the book picture that he was very difficult to work with because he was PTSD was just like fucking with him like crazy while he was doing this movie. Um, and they had to like take a long stretches of time where he couldn't work and he would just like get on a horse and go off and do his own thing. Cause he just couldn't take it. Um, but, uh, when I watch like to Helen back, I don't really see it that much. doesn't feel it. I don't feel that, 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 uh, <clears throat> genuine emotion, but I do. When I watch this, he sees he, his performance in this, in my opinion, is way better than something like to Helen back. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, cause he did really get that look of shock and awe in combat very well, which is, you know, what he was going through. I think John and, Houston um, knew how to get it out of him. I don't think the guy who directed to hell and back did because like I've seen Audie Murphy who directed to hell and back Jesse Hibbs. Okay. Yeah. He's a Western. Cause guy. I know that John Ford, mm -hmm. you know, he was in a little over two guy. Yeah. He was midway and everything. He directed, they were expendable, which is about PT boats, mm -hmm. PT um, crewmen, like patrol boats in the Pacific in the Philippines at the very beginning of the war. And one of the, his leads, I forget the actor, but he was actually a PT commander in the beginning of the war, like, you know, after whatever. He did the job and he was, his first role out of the, out of being in the Navy was playing the role he did in the Navy. Mm. And they said that whole time that he was fucking I'm drunk as a skunk I'm sure. and just fucked up. And it was like John Ford literally, like he was fucking up so much. He said, take as much time as you need. And the guy like went away for two weeks and came back when they finished the movie. But same kind of thing, you know, and that was a few years before. It was like it's the exact same just, thing. Okay. Um, come to your, relive your experiences. But this time we're staring at you. Right. You know, no, that's it's so. exactly the same thing. I think John Houston though knew how to get it out of him because I've seen some other movies that he did that Audie Murphy did with John Houston, his performance is like way better than in anything else he ever did. Well, it's interesting too, because John, what I thought was cool is that John Houston, you know, he's a Wolverine vet, but he filmed the battle of San Pietro. Yeah. So he was in places that Audie Murphy was there. Yeah. Would have known and knew. And so was Bill Mulvin. They were all in the fifth army area, you know, Italy and stuff. So it's kind of interesting how a few years later, these guys that chewed the same dirt fucking, you know, they're now making they a film come, about war. They all come together. Yeah. So I, I really wonder if that's why he can get through to him because it's like, Audie, I was where you were. You know, like, Bro you know, I, I I get it. Probably. We have that kind of like unit brothership or, you know, brotherhood of like we were, we went through something that's lived. Apparently. And like, you know. Yeah. Apparently, um, Audie Murphy didn't care for Bill Molden very much. Uh, he cons he considered him uh, like, a, well, like a lower kind of veteran. I think he had a nickname for him, which was like, like, like what? like pen pusher or something like that because you know he he, a he wasn't a, he wasn't a soldier you know he was like a, a journalist or something and they were both at anzio yeah. during the same time but uh but yep. yeah it's just I, I know that i remember reading that in picture that he was like something there was a scene where uh the character that bill malden plays had to like get kind of like angry with him and he was like he was like don't you ever talk to me that way you you like you cartoonist or something like that oh interesting yeah. huh. wow well, that's just, you know, there's always a rem somewhere. And while Bill Maldon did witness and he has some amazing art, you know, 
Hardy was there every day. You know, think of Joe and uh, Joe Sejo, you know, that one of his best friends that got killed and everything. You know, it's like, yeah, like, there is that. You're veterans, but there's a line. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. so. Kuwait deployment's not a real deployment. But, um, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, do, you want, do, yeah. do we want to jump into IMT? IMFDB. Really quick, there's one other actor that I want to mention that you guys glossed over. Andy Devine. Yes. <laughs> that was that was cool. I love I that. Yeah. That. I love yeah. Andy Devine. I loved what he had to say too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's a good scene. I always. Yeah. Who is that? I always remember him from when he was older. Andy Devine. Like in the he's 70s the, the, he's the, the cheery had... soldier. He's the guy who finds him and brings him yeah. to the camp with the lantern. Yeah. Oh well, I I gave it all up to Jesus, and you know here I am. Oh, yeah. I didn't know, know that's who that, that was. That was great. Okay, that was great. Yeah, Andy Devine was great. He was in like yeah, the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. He was in a ton of stuff back then. Yep. Yeah. Wasn't he, was, he in 1941? For some reason I. Really he was also you 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 viewers or I'm sorry you listeners who are listening who are millennials or older a little bit. Friar fucking talk on Robin Hood. Mm. Hmm. Wait, which know. one? The original, like the original Disney, nineteen seventy three. The, the, the Arrow, the animated oh, one, yeah. or the Arrow Flynn? Yeah, the one? animated one. The like the Disney, the, the Disney animated one, nineteen seventy three. The original Robin Hood. Uh huh. He's Friar Tuck. What was he not? Is he? You know. <laughs> yeah, he is. I immediately recognized the voice when I saw him. I'm like, oh my god! Hold gosh. on, hold on, hold yeah, on. Yeah, look hold at on. it. I'm, I'm not shitting you. He's got I, a I, very. I, very distinct voice. I'm sure. I'm sure if I if I listen if I'm pulling up I'm pulling it up again. By the way, it's a um, almost seventy year old movie, so you can find it on YouTube for free. <laughs> so fuck all. I always remember him from it's a mad bad. Yeah, as the as the as the 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 cop. Yeah, yeah. Captain Numbers. Well, we got him going all over here, and they're stuck in a basement. Yeah, that's such a good movie. He went. It's under a giant W. Yeah. Very bit part, but there. that's a fucking great classic movie, by the way. Mad Max World, is. I love that movie. Rat Race is also it's, it's good. a rip off it, of that. <laughs> it, no, it is, but I get for what they, they what they attempted to do. I give it to them because there's great the Barbie Museum and everything. Oh so yeah, you're absolutely right. I just heard him just say you're in a pretty bad fix, son. And yep, yep, <laughs> yep. he's got that. Yeah, yep. I didn't even it didn't as soon as you said Friar Ted from Robin Hood, my mind went. Yep. Nope. I yep. A hundred percent. Yep. Let's see. Absolutely. hundred uh, like, Yeah. I don't even have to look it up. I don't even have to look it up. That's a hundred percent what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it's oh, it's beautiful. Actor. Hell of an actor. Yeah, he's great. Uh, yeah. That's a great it's scene too. And it's it's from the it's it's in the book too. Uh, yeah, it is. Yep. The book's yeah, not but, that long, by the way. You yeah. can find the whole audiobook uh, just looking at for the movie today. I think the whole audiobook's on there. I think it's only four hours long. See, mm. see, how, Nate, you, you said you had to read it in high school. Yeah, well, yeah. we were very advanced over here. I had to read it in middle school. Oh, <laughs> fancy. yeah, yeah. It could have been high school. It could have been middle school. I, no, it was. I think it was. I, I'm pretty I don't sure remember. it was seventh grade. And yeah. I actually liked the book because it was like it kept my interest and it was short, but it was like. Again, I liked it because it was a war book, and I didn't have to well, read. No, I didn't have to read Love like, Flavors Lost Shakespeare and kill myself. Dude, no, we also we had to read the same year. Where What's the, your phone number, Nathan? <laughs> we had to read where, where the red fern grows. You ever you ever fucking read that? Yes, yes I, I read hated, that one. Yeah. I hated. That yeah, fucking you want to commit suicide? Read that fucking thing, <laughs> it was yeah. awful. and then you can you'll, you'll be you'll be good to go. I hated that book so. <laughs> much. Yeah, it's. I mean, that might have been a little bit insensitive, but I don't give a fuck because that's how I felt after that. I'm like. I was so into that book, and at the end, I'm like, 
Oh my god! Yeah. What? Well, I, the, I, I remember I was I was taking a shit when I finished the book, <laughs> and I'm like, that's so not I'm uncommon for you. Shit. I love it. Well, I read when I. When I shit, it's where like, were you on 9/11? So there I was in the well, bathroom. I, I can tell you that, but it's gonna it's gonna take up. When no, I, I heard actually, a rumble, I actually wasn't taking. And it wasn't me. I actually it wasn't, wasn't Taco uh, Monday. Uh, no, but I finished with a red friend. I would read that a lot, like when I was on the shitter, right? And I finished it on the shitter, and I just went, "Oh my god, my life means nothing. It's all this is ever gonna be. It's all this is ever gonna be." I did. Did, did it turn out the same? Like, <laughs> uh, it's like you, know? you, you ever see the. You ever see the uh, the movie or docudrama Threads from the eighties? No. It's no. it's about like nuclear war happening in England. Anyway, oh, long story short, there's, I want to see there's it. one dude. It's really Wait, good. It's is, worth is, is, Actually, it's kind of that movie that like London gets like obliterated and it's like the the world gets obliterated, but it's focused on like what happens in the UK if there's a nuclear. Well, who gives a fuck about the war. UK? Long, well, the reason I say this is because there's one guy who's right before the bomb drops, he goes into the loo. And he fucking gets, you know, the Sun newspaper out. And that's fucking Mike Birch, you know. He's going to go have a have a handful of fucking cheese curds and go take a shit. And then the world. Well, I mean, like, talking about how, you know, the ending of, you know, uh, where the red fern grows and, like, uh, being so disappointed that, like, you just, it's, like, poetic. You got up and flushed the toilet and everything. Like, you know, it's, it's like. <laughs> just like life. Yeah. You know, you flushed it down the shitter. And then. <laughs> yeah, then I went to school the next day and I gave a fucking, like, rave review on it. And everybody else was like. And I was okay. And I'm like, uh, how the fuck did this not kill your fucking, well, you don't understand. <laughs> Nothing means anything. <laughs> like this is all fucked. It's all fucked. You work for something your entire life and it just fucking you. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to, because there's a lot of people that haven't gone through the book. Go, thank you, Michael. Go, now go. the new book is Secretariat. Please read it. Uh, <laughs> read, read, read the Red Fern Grows after you read Red Budget Curry. is what Mike's telling No. You. So, okay. With that, yes. So in the same class, Scholastic the same book year, fair. Yeah. No, we, we had to read Red Badge of Courage, and I was like, oh, it's a war war book, and it was like short, sweet to the point. Yep. And I'm like, oh, that was kind of that was kind of fucking brutal. Yeah. Like, that was. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not like a. Not that any war book is happy go lucky, but it's like you know, it just it just it 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 hits you on a different level, and it's very interesting for the time period. I mean, because you know. I don't know. It just some, it's not something you really expect to have out of that. Yeah. That well, no. And, and that, that's the thing is like around around the same age, I read a book called Twenty and Two. I think it was. Yeah, with the, about the the Germans. Yeah, with the kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so yeah, it was also an easy read. It was about war and all that shit. So it was like, oh well, there are good stories that kids can read that aren't like totally traumatic because Red Badge of Courage didn't traumatize me. What's Lenny and the Rabbits? What is that? What? Uh, I don't know. What's what's the look of the rabbits? Then he shoots him in the back of the head. He shoots the. I almost said it. I almost said it. Oh, uh, said it. John Steinbeck um, um, shoots the simple man in the back of the head. The fuck is it called? Oh, of mice and men. Thank you. Oh, yes. Lenny. Yeah, Lenny. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The Luger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I had to watch. I had to watch that movie and then read that book too. It was oh. part of the same course. So. Why did you have to watch it? Oh, no, you no, you can't make that joke. I, that's <laughs> why. That. I, that's why I put in my mouth. I fucking. Uh, I fucked up. Oh no. Oh. I fucking swore. And, um, one of uh, and I, I forgot the point I was going to bring up too. <laughs> yeah, get so distracted. Oh, so yeah, when when I was around, like you know, I guess the age where you guys read this, somebody 
handed me a copy of Forgotten Soldier. Oh, the, the, Oof. oh, uh, I got my, I got, I, like, I got my, co- I, I got was, my copy over here. I got to finish reading. I was like ten or eleven, and I read that book in three days, and my life. It's taken me four years to finish that book, so that's where I'm at. Yeah, <laughs> and I finished it. And in I keep, school, I keep so. like trying to start. I get, I that get was, like, I get like a quarter of the way through it, then I get distracted by another book, and then I go back and try to read it again, and then I get distracted, and I have to start all over. So I've been reading that book for four years, and I'm not even done with it yet. So there's that. It's been crazy or horrible, but to see what's happening in Ukraine, but then remember the names from fucking Guy Sawyer's memoir I read 15, 20 years ago. Guy Sawyer? Like it's Guy, it's, isn't it like Guy Sajir? Guy Sawyer. Well, he's from, he was an Alsatian, so he had a very strange name. Mm. He just passed yeah, away. He just passed, he, he just passed away this year, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's such a good book. But it did, isn't isn't he the one? Isn't he the one who chucked, or is that the other one? The other MG book what? that we read, the one that he chucks a Lafette in in like a swamp. Thing no, and... no, that's uh, it's right over here. What is it? That's because um... we gotta go find that lake. That's in a lake in Austria. Yeah, we uh, yeah yeah shot. we got. He's an MG forty two gunner in the Six Gebirgs on the eastern. Front, yeah, we gotta go. F- and he fights. We gotta go. F- we gotta go to that lake and we gotta track it down. He's an assistant gunner and he also guns for a bit, but he's carrying a Lafette, which is a German. I'm sure the tripod, tripod would be in great shape too when you find it. <laughs> <laughs> I have one in my basement, so I don't need to go to Austria. Oh, I need but, I need to fix know. mine. So there's <laughs> um, good for you. Yeah, every here eBay, but they don't have those in the Civil War. So let's go well, back. Uh, Pre gap talking about the the um the book and all that stuff Speaking one part gatling gun i almost bought one last week <laughs> oh fuck you why <laughs> it was nine hundred dollars i thought about it jesus christ Sorry. everyone's been throwing that thing away but uh yeah, yeah. you're gonna fucking mount it on your heart <laughs> yeah. um good luck this is how you fight through you know that's how you find an ammo for that. That, that, that you do rolling stops in baltimore anyway dude what i've heard about like how they had to check and see if they had a malfunction by putting the little mirror inside it and everything like that i was just like that is fucking terrifying like <laughs> if that thing like and the gravity fed so one dude's job literally is to push on the bullets but comparing the, what do you the do? talking about the book and all that stuff one part from the book that i really like um, that is not in the movie. Maybe they shot it, but it was part of the two-hour version that they cut. Was where he stu- after he's, he's kind of like separated from everybody. He stumbles upon a decomposing body, um, and he's like describes in detail what the whole what the body is like, and it's uh, it's really interesting because it's like his finally he's like face to face to what like death really is. Um, but uh, that was not put in the movie, or if it was, it was completely no. Out. It but was when was it in the movie? For a brief second, he almost walks into a body on the on the road on the way in. Okay, yeah. Well, maybe that, that that's probably that's probably their version. Their of version it. of it, yeah. In the book, it's like he's he's basically like being devoured by maggots and things. Like no, that. no, 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 no. He just like <laughs> they like they like walk they like walk onto the road and they find that and that's like okay. his big like ha ha. Right, um, ha ha. It's really really fucking gory in the book. I remember that. It's... I'm uh, pulling up the thing. The IMFDB, the thing that's a good because movie. I want to see if they uh actually included all the uh, extra firearms that were in there. There's only bonuses. one. <laughs> oh, Mike, why'd you ruin the dramatic <laughs> reveal? I wanted to, I wanted for that to be a thing where it'd be like, all right, we're gonna go IMD, IMD, blah, 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 it's just blah, one, <laughs> and then we're just gonna go down. And it's just one. No, the well, the Enfield pattern, 1853. Yeah. Um. Both used by the Union and the Confederate sources. sources and Henry uses forces. it. Yep. There we go. And Henry see the, see the crown on the lock? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone else does, I think. And that's it.
That's All it. right, we're done there with IMFDB. There was only one gun in the movie. <laughs> oh, I, and apparently and, Audie Murphy was the one that used. And there goes Nathan. Um, that's, oh shit! <laughs> oh, he just he just licks himself uh, out of the fucking. <laughs> Sorry. Have you guys seen, as we wait for him, have you seen um, Flight of Concords? No. There's this uh, HBO show. It's really funny. It's about these two uh, New Zealanders. Anyway, they, they keep making jokes throughout the series, like how small New Zealand is. We're, so we're not, we're not, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to nope. talk about Sorry, that. No, nope. we're, 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 we're not going to talk about that. Nope. Nope. Anyway, at one point, the uh, minister of New Zealand shows up, prime minister. And they're like, oh, we need to defend him. You know, who has the gun? And he goes, the army's using it. Because it's such a small country that they only have one the gun. single yeah. gun. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Audie Murphy's the only one using the gun from the movie. There was a lot of shit. I'm not going to comment on. I saw a couple 1861 Springfields and. That's right. I saw I saw 1903s. I saw Turkish Mouse. Just like give beer 98s. All you saw shit. Turkish Mausers? Yep, or some kind of like Maus. It might have been Spanish Mausers, but like, yeah. And then I saw like, like um, really far off in the background kind of thing as extras. Yeah, in certain scenes. Okay. Um, Nagants because they have the same kind of socket bayonet, so that whatever. Really? Oh yeah, dude. If you if you go back and look at like, I'll, I'll it was really go back and watch it. Yeah, <laughs> it's when they're when they're marching across the river. They're using 1903 uh, dummy guns, like 1903 rifle really? dummy guns. Are, yeah, I didn't see that. When when they're first marching across, the I must have I must have like had like rose colored glasses on or something. Because it's also hard to see in black and white, but like it's just I was laughing. I'm like, yeah, because oh, actually, I have a timestamp. So at 14 minutes and 30 (coughs) seconds in, they're carrying Uh, 1903 training rifles. I'm gonna gonna pull it up here. Yeah, pull it up, and then I got it up here. That was the only note that I took. What was the time? What was the time of this? 1430. 14:30. 14.30. Yeah, you can tell they're, like, way shorter. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can barely see it. Ah, fuck it. Who's gonna know? That's funny. I mean, you can barely see it. It's fucking the bolts sticking out of the fucking side of it. Like, it's in that whole sequence. It's not just, like, 14.30 is where I, like, remember because I was laughing so goddamn hard. I was like, that's <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> But yeah, there's a lot of by, like. By tra- the way, the dead body uh, reference is like 1507. By the way, Mike, eh? or somewhere around here, like 15. It's like before, like yeah, it's between like 15 minutes and 15:30. Anyway, um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, again. I mean, like it being 1951. Uh, I always want to say 53. I was waiting for someone to correct me. Uh, 51. I mean. I, I I think this movie is is well ahead of its time in terms. Yeah, of it's it's definitely not as shitty as I was expecting for something. Not of that Sergeant time York. Which, no, no, God, no. Yeah, but like of that, you know, between like the late, the mid to late thirties and the late fifties, it's like. Do you think that's because we're out of war? I mean, cinema at this point is out of World War Two. Do you think that's maybe a big thing about how you know because it seems like when we get out of 1940s films and we go to 1950s it seems like we tend to like them more 
Have you noticed well, that? You get you get a, you get you get an improvement for sure of That's filmmaking. That's movies started to become what they are today. Not right. to, sorry to cut you off as I cut you off, but no, no, it's just a different narrative, and the war changed people so much. Is that they, you know? Well, and here's the thing: is like so, the Great Escape, thing. right? And Pretty Hell is for Heroes, shit like that. That's when I can see, like the early '60s, the very early '60s, is when I consider war films to start getting better. Like when they actually put effort into it. There's a lot of like just fucking. We'll make them because they'll sell because Grant, you know, Daddy was in World War II, blah blah blah. But like when you actually get into like films, like one of my favorites of all time is The Great Escape, right? Classic. And it that brings the World War II movie to the next level, in my opinion. And that starts in the early '60s when you start seeing a color, uh, b just more research and thought production or thought and production value going into these films. So in the early fifties, you're still for, uh, okay. I should be specific. I should be very fucking specific in world war two films. Okay. That's when they started improving. Now this was a civil war film. Now, as far as the accoutrement of each soldier, I don't know because I don't know the uniforms verbatim, you know, from the civil war. I'm pretty sure those knapsacks, those khaki ones were like Spanish American war or later. Right. I don't yeah. know, but I'm not going to comment on any of the uniforms or any of that shit. Cause I just don't know. I, I, I would, I would say more of the comment of just, I, I don't know if I'm really reacting to the less need of propaganda war films. Maybe that might be right. what I'm feeling more of anything. It's like, you know, it's less push the Patriot. I, I, how do I say it? There doesn't seem to be any kind of hidden message other than storytelling for some of these, for most of these yes. 1950s films. When you get in like the 1940s and or when the Cold War starts really ramping up, you start getting these kind of underlying messages with film entirely. And well, this is about when the core was ramping up, but because it's civil war, American right. civil war. But but I mean, like it, it yeah. didn't stop it didn't stop them from doing that kind of underlying message with different eras during World War Two. Like you still had you would still have like civil war like eras, or you know, uh, uh, or Sergeant York, for example. Uh, you well, know, that was pushing. also very recent. You know, right. Well, the yeah. Civil War, those guys had mostly died off by the time World War II happened. Yeah. But I know there's World War, I know there's Civil War movies that do push that underlying patriotism of that before the end of World War II. Well, this and I'm just wondering, did. I'm just wondering if Hollywood's just in it's trying to influence people to join the military, to put the war bonds, to donate the resources like all that's not needed so maybe they don't need right. to do that in, underlying in this push film i didn't message. i didn't get that no no no, no I'm, I'm not no, i'm not no, no, saying no, that, I, get you, I get your point yeah. is what you're saying is like because it was a different time period because sergeant york even though that was 20 years prior or roughly 20 years prior mm -hmm. it was still fresh in the minds those guys were still around everybody knew world war one veterans right those were everybody's dads their uncles their friends so it's very fresh to push a narrative the Civil War guys in '51, good luck. Good luck but, finding one. But I and mean, so therefore, there's there's really no need. There's no there's no direct correlation to pushing any agenda. Like because '51, obviously the Korean War was ablaze, right. which nobody fucking knew about at the time, unless you were involved with it. But like, right. there was no need in this particular film, in my opinion, because of what you said, 
to push that kind of drive to go to the enlistment office because it was a totally different time period and a different message, I guess. So, right. Right. No, yeah. no, no. I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I mean, I think, do you think though that because they don't have to have that underlying tone that, that you think that the films are inherently better yes. on this time period, because it yes. seems to be that it seems to be from what we've got reviewed already, that that seems to be the underlying case is that for the most part, most films prior to 1950 or, Pri- sorry prior to 1948 are very much filled with propaganda and or underlying messages that seem to like not really be pertaining to the story other than pushing some kind of agenda right yeah of course i mean yeah that, yeah. yeah okay brian what do you think you're you're quiet yeah no i, I agree <laughs> it's just it's interesting you know as we watch more of these films and can can ah, conceptualize them and everything you know, it's just interesting to see when the modern idea of war movie started. And th- there were some pre-war things that were pretty good. Like Wings is one that's great. You know, won the first Oscar. Um, it's a film about like World War One flyers. It's, it's great for its time and everything. Yeah, Bill Wellman. It's uh, not like, you know. Uh, Bill Wellman was mm-hmm. a World War One uh, pilot. And he made that movie. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Wow. Great movie. It's one of the first silent films I ever saw, too. But like you get that really good gem. But then you get like Gunga Din, which is like (laughs) plays on all the tropes of like the pre-warness and everything, you know, and like it's interesting. And then you get Sergeant York, which is a pre-war movie, but it's made wartime. And we talked a lot about it, whatever. But like it is kind of interesting because for me, that's where like the narrative of like the the story of a world war of like a a war film begins, even though it's a shitty film. Like they really got the formula right right there. Mm. And then the whole world gets thrown into chaos and everybody wants to murder each other. And then coming out of that, you're like, hey, right before that. And we made all these propaganda films. There was this film that we kind of had like a formula going and that pushed its way out of propaganda of the early Cold War period into like, you know, Hells for Heroes, um, Cross of Iron, the films that we know and love. But it really was that, you know, 41 to 48 period where the, the films that we know today really took shape. And then once they got more funding and the cold war took off and stuff, and they got a little bit away from the politics, like really after the Korean war where people get disillusioned with like, Oh, this is going to keep going on. Like what the fuck, you know? So that's when you start having like, you know, movies pull away from the narrative. Like pork chop Hill is like a great film and everything. It got support from the Marines, but it's not like a pro war movie. You know, the whole thing is like anti-war. It's like, when is this fucking thing going to end? And that was made right at the end of the fifties. So it's interesting how like the narrative changes, but no, I agree. It's definitely in this, in that 40s period where like you know these things start to be come to light and films like this where world war ii veterans directors to actors are pulling in their experiences of of trauma and stuff and really putting it on screen i mean the depression was bad and stuff and the 20s was bad and there was as michael has said there were some world war one veterans that funded their own stuff and made their own stuff but like you know when the whole world was thrown into it and you, everybody had these fucking experiences because think about all the hollywood guys that fucking i was in the navy i did this i did that you know like fucking everybody had something to pull on so when you came to these war things it's like oh yeah when i was on saipan well when i was in egypt oh yeah well when we fucking liberated Birkenau or whatever you know like it's just that's where the films really took off right yeah became what they are so yeah so i stay quiet but i give you no no no, it's fine i just want to get your take on it i mean i i just want to make sure i'm like i'm not like screaming in my own echo chamber no you're not it's just you know it's just one of these things where the only way to 
make the correlations just to do the work and you have to watch all these fucking uh, and and, then, and and you're like oh right i mean well like and this and then we'll we'll change that we'll go we'll, we'll, we'll summarize up here and once i finish this statement here but like i have like a i have like a dvd like booklet thing that i've had for probably almost what's a dvd <laughs> yeah well, it's called a digital video uh uh, uh device disc? yeah <laughs> no, i know it's a disc yeah um and uh I have like a little like like is that like a floppy disk? Yeah, it's like a floppy. Yeah, you hit the save icon. You know the save Three button. Three and a half inch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pinky. There we go. Uh, the, the the it. I have like a like it's like a like a ten fifteen disc set of like almost like fifty five movies of movies made from like nineteen I think thirty eight to nineteen forty five, and they're very much like real shit movies that were churned out super fast during wartime and they're all world war ii based and i haven't had the like the willpower to sit down and watch these things i've had them for almost 15 years and i still hey 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 nate hey nate hey hey who gives a fuck no i was just gonna say you have a laundry basket behind you looks like it's gonna fall (laughs) Uh, okay (laughs) have you ever seen trumbo (laughs) Seen Trumbo film. with, with Brian Trumbo? Cranston? Yeah. Yes, I have. Have you guys seen it? I saw it in uh, theater, and I was the only person I, I, in theater. I don't wow, live in front of sad. a fucking I, TV I watched screen. it like a year or two ago. It was pretty good. But there's a great scene in it where he's he gets blacklisted, so he has to work for like B or C theaters and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, is it Brian Good or Good? John Goodman. Yeah. John Goodman. Yeah, I was fucking up. So John Goodman. He's fucking. He plays this like B, you know, um, sleazy movie theater, producer. Like, yeah, really sleazy. And there's one scene where it's like, you're hiring a communist, and he just throws down these papers like, we make shit. Nobody gives a fuck who writes it because we make shit. Yeah. You know, he throws it. He's like, and he's got all these women around him. He's like, I do it for this. We make shit. <laughs> fucking really right. It was so funny because again, the, the Hollywood of today is not the Hollywood of then. Yeah, there's two totally different well, things. Well, what you just said sounds like somebody that I know. I would, I, I would love. Wow. I would, I will. I can't. I don't know where it is because it's not in. I, I put it in storage recently, but I'm gonna pull it out. I'll take a picture for you guys. I'll put it on the chat, and so we can maybe, if you guys want to deep dive into that. I have no. I have a whole bunch of stuff we can go into. I'm interested. So, yeah. We get I have we, to poop. <laughs> and no. It's a family podcast. Come on. Yeah. I'll start my uh thing out with this. <laughs> Where does his hat go? It Where fell does off. Where does Artie Murphy's hat it fell go? off. No, they take it off, but they never put it back on. He lost they it. Take it off. He lost it when he got hit in the head. No, he had his hat on until he got to the camp and then they took his hat off. And then, then he put the, yeah. they just leave it behind the rest. Well, of the he movie. was bandaged and they lost his hat. Oh, I know. Well, I know deal. it's. I know the reason is because they wanted to bandage him to stand out the film. But I was just like, they literally. He's like, good hat. Wow, what's wrong with your head? And they don't put it back on. It's like, so I thought that was kind of fun. Well, did they, yeah, they forgot about it. They, they didn't give a shit. Not only that, but like usually they'll do something to your to the main actor so he stands out from everybody. No, that's exactly what they did. But yeah. still, it's just like well, in real life, literally too, it's took like, his hat off. Yeah, and yeah. Then just left it there. Like, but in real okay, life, it's like okay, whatever. Like, right. they don't I give know, a shit. They don't give I a shit. I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. And it was just like okay, gonna just take your hat one off guy, and leave it. There. One guy at the end takes off his union hat and tosses it and puts on one of the the the, um, the rebel hats. You know, okay. yeah, hats. Yeah. They're more they're more comfortable. It was just strange to leave shit behind like that. It's like okay, you know. Again, I know the reason, but it was just like anyway. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting movie. I liked it on a lot of, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Um, I think we nailed everything here talking about it. One thing we didn't talk about that I did like was like, it's hard to understand this from their perspective, but like 
we're very lucky to live in an age of knowing our bodies and knowing things about health and everything like that. You know, the Civil War and, and these really pre 20th century times, they didn't, you know, like even the early 20th century typhoid Mary and things, you know, and all these whatever. But it was interesting to like when guys got wounded in this film and they were like, it's bleeding a lot. They really wouldn't know why or, or how what. to put on or a like tourniquet or yeah, yeah. things like yeah. that. And, and I thought that was cool. Cause it had to take me a second to take it out. Cause even the second world war, like everybody had like basic first aid classes and you know, this is what a body is and this whatever. And like, so it was just interesting to think about like the 1800s or, or earlier, like and you're getting fucked up in battle and like, you're just going to keep fighting cause you have no idea how bad it actually is yeah. or whatever. So I thought it was a very cool point on um, the film. And so a lot was taken to like really put this into that time and place and, whatever um that's that is, yeah, that, is, that is a very good point i didn't think about it like that I yeah i was just cool just because the guy's like oh i guess i'm bleeding a lot and i'm like yeah you know you guess you are because <laughs> you fucking are guessing oh you know, my like, kneecap like, was shot off and i'm just pouring blood yeah. out of it yeah weird yeah, are. i, I thought bones that. didn't bleed you know weird. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i didn't know my bones had connections <laughs> yeah you know, like, but um bleed like a cow no uh Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's his reference. Yeah. That, what do you know? Like, oh, I'm bleeding like a cow. Like cows bleed a lot. Like it was very, very interesting. You know, they did a good job of doing that. Not like my forventral artery happens to be leaking from the third junk. He's like, no, fucking, it's like our cow. But yeah. anyway, that was a cool thing they did. But no, they did a lot in this film, and I love John Huston. He's such a good director. I mean, Maltese Falcon is probably one of my favorite films, along with Treasure Sea or Madre. Just so good, fucking amazing. Um, but that being said, I mean. I don't know. I felt like some of the things didn't deliver right. Like some of the lines were off a bit. And I really do see that because it got cut so many different times and they added so many different things. Um, I think it's really worth a watch, but I would give it a six out of 10. You know, I think it's very pivotal and it's very important and it's got, you know, good actors like Audie Murphy, one of his big roles and stuff. But overall, I mean, it just, it was so ahead of its time. They didn't respect it for that. And it got cut up. And it does show at points, you know, um, like Nate had mentioned something with like this Disney show where they like, you know, took old episodes and five years later, like pieced it together. And that's what happens when you take something and then you know, a long thing and make it short and make it long again. It's just like it loses its feel, it loses its pace and it just it, it can feel out of place. But when, when you very when, good film. when you patch something, was... when you patch something up a lot, you start you can start seeing the patchwork. Exactly. So, yeah. Like they say with a, my background in real estate, they say with like a house, you can always see where the addition was put on. It's very, very rare where you can't be like, oh, they fucking blew this wall out, you know? So same kind of thing. It's very hard to to, to do that and, and play with these things because they're written as one thing and they should stay as one thing, but that never happens. But it's a very interesting film, and I think it really does, you know, again, set the stage as far as how war movies are made. And uh, this came out the same year or around the same time that my favorite, one of my all-time favorite war movies came out, uh, Battleground. And they share a lot of very similar things with how, like, a war story forms. So it's definitely worth a watch. It's a very good Civil War movie. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to reading the book to see how they compare. So, I pass the talking bell to you, Mister Fucking Southerner. Stay down there. Oh, okay. And I guess I'm the only one who's technically a Southerner again. Um, yeah, I mean, like you know, everything I said before. You know, the the camera shots. I feel like were very ahead of this time. I feel like the pacing, um, the way things were laid out was pretty well done. Again, it's a 1950s black and white film. We have to put it into a box. For me, I think I have to really do that. But there are some shots that kind of pull it out of that box for me. And 
I kind of viewed this movie a little bit above trying to have to put it in its like kind of own little world to judge it. Um, I mean, there's not much to be saying about. It. I don't know the fine, um, minute details that would pos- possibly make this really stand out. Isn't like, oh, this is bad or whatever. But to my kind of very, you know, mildly trained eye, I mean, nothing really spoke stuck out to me. Not even the Springfields that Mike B had pointed out earlier. I didn't even notice those. So, like, you know, if I have to think about my viewing, I mean, like, I I really like this movie. I I you know. I but you know it it is it does have its flaws like kind of what Brian said you know the 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 patchwork of the editing all that kind of thing so I think I'm I'm not I I think it's gonna be like a pretty fairly average thing I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it seven screaming Mel Gibson's out of ten I mean it's not bad it's not horrible um it's very enjoyable but it's not also it's also not dead you know like like I I didn't have to like go okay wait for this thing to be over oh my god let this part over and it seems very digestible you know an hour is really nice for what this is it's really nice I'm sure if it was an extra 20 30 minutes I'd have more to rip it apart about it you know from it you know maybe it drags too long or this part didn't make sense or whatever but overall it it I, I really liked it so yeah seven out of ten for me um all right uh yeah i um i like this one quite a bit um you know i, I think it's for its time it's uh, it was really good and uh i think it's audie murphy's best performance um in terms of his acting career and uh no i i i think like i would be i would like to see the two-hour version uh you know just for curiosity's sake but i honestly think that the the barely over an hour runtime is enough you know, but maybe, yeah, like there might be some more stuff to put in there, but like, it's already pretty condensed in terms of everything that's going on. It's all kind of in one location. It's things like that. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I like it a lot. Um, I think for when it was made, it was really good. And, uh, I think it has some really interesting stuff to say about war. Um, I'm also going to give it a seven. So that leaves Mr. B. Yeah. You guys hit a lot of the main points on the head um one thing that i i noticed that it addressed fairly well even for being that time period was cowardice or perceived cowardice yeah and um how it didn't it didn't show the officers cutting down the guys that were running back but it showed them saying get the fuck back you know the officers scared and then you see a lot of guys running a lot of guys running it's not just not just henry it's not just you know his friend it's like everybody's running and then you find out oh shit we actually held them how the fuck do i go back and you go back and you realize that oh a lot of these other guys ran and they came back too and trying to lie about that but also it's not it's not like the this death sentence of you know oh i was a coward therefore i'm going to be executed it was like okay i i was not experienced at all i had no idea what i was going to do and i fucking ran and then I come back and it's about redemption at this point. It's like, well, I view myself as a coward before. So now I'm going to push twice as hard to prove that I'm not. And that's what a lot of these guys did. And in the, in the, in the film itself, not in real life, I can't speak for that, but like that was a pretty cool arc that um, was not just with the main character, but like a lot of the main characters and kind of the plot. And I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, because yeah, it shows how people are like, yeah, there are people who just freeze up in combat. There's people that want to run and they do run. There's people that just do their thing and they end up dying or whatever. Who knows? But anyway, um, as far as the film's concerned, 
Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. And again, the hour and nine minutes or hour and eight minutes or whatever with credits or without credits, perfect length, I think. Although it would be interesting to see the two-hour one, but I think they got the message across in an hour. Very easy to, to digest. Um, and for that time, again, like we were talking about earlier with Nate, is it didn't push an agenda. It didn't like, you know, it wasn't like, go go sign up, go fucking join the Army, go join the Marine Corps, fight for your country. It was just trying to portray a story that was written and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, as far as the technical stuff, I don't know anything about the uniforms or the weaponry, so I'm not going to comment on that. I'm not going to do that, so I have no reference for that. Uh, but as far as entertainment value and just kind of how it was shot, close-ups, things that it, it, it actually touched on and covered, um, yeah, I'll give it a 7 out of 10 as well. <laughs> Decent. Decent. <laughs> what is that from? Trailer Park Boys. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, putting it into the uh, computer that will tell us when the Vietnam War ends, this gets a six point seven five. So, high on our scale. Yeah, love average. Highest yeah, not, one in not a while. At all. <laughs> not terrible. It was no. Yeah, it's worth a watch. It definitely is. And you know, if you're just a student of war films. Or if you just like Civil War films, it's, you know, it's, or Artie, whatever. There's a billion different reasons. Well, also, the, it, but it's, I, uh, I forgot to mention really quick. I'll just say this. The acting is not shitty. No. No. Like, no. you expect for that time period, the acting to be shitty. It's not shitty. It's actually pretty cool. So. Like I say, it's, I, I think Audie Murphy's best performance. Yeah. And it's, it's everybody in that film did a great job at portraying. It wasn't over the top. It was just besides the whole, like, you know, cinematic shit where they're getting blown up and the arms are up in the air, but whatever. But the actual acting itself wow. was, was wow. really pretty good. Yeah. So. Wow. All right. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, see you guys next week. Wow. Fuck. Fuck you, fucking Nathan. I, I, I'm right here. You can only do wow. that when I'm gone. All right. You can't. This is, no, I can do whatever I want to. <laughs> you know, even when I see you. Okay. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out.